You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So we're going to continue the, the series that we've been on, titled AD, and we are um, partnering with churches all over the, the United States and maybe even all, all over the world as uh, this mini-series has been on, on NBC every Sunday. And the mini-series is talking about that after the death of Christ, the church was still thriving and moving. Amen. In other words, the resurrection was not the end of the story. And uh, we're still a part of the story right now. And we'd also love for you to, to be a part of a small group. If, if you're not in, in a small group, we, we would invite you to uh, uh, join a group uh, or host a group. A lot of great things are happening, and we're, we're very uh, pointed about the, the reality that we grow better together. And so you grow better in a small group. So we want for you to to really think about that and how important that is. If you're new with us, uh, we'd love for you, you to be a part of our small groups, and there's one that's in your area, and I know that you'd be blessed if you're a part. Um, so today we're going to be talking about, I, I titled the message, From Hater to Hero. From Hater to Hero. And <clears throat> I want to start out with a question. Has there ever been anyone in your life that has given you such a hard time because you are a Christ follower? Anyone ever had someone in your life that they just hate on you because you are following Jesus? Anyone? Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's not that these people are, 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 are not zealous or they're not passionate, but they're, they're zealous and they're passionate about discrediting your faith. And uh, when they frustrate us, they, 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 they get us down, and, and, and they really kind of damper our, our, the way that we walk with the Lord. I, I think that Christians have always had one of these people in their lives, and, and that's why I want to talk today about how important it is for us to have an assurance that God is able to change a hater into a hero of the faith. And we're going to be going to chapter 9 of Acts, and we're going to be looking at the story of Saul. And so we're going to go to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, and I want us to pray uh, as, we, as we go there. Father, thank you for every person that's here in this first service. I just ask your blessing upon your word and, and every word that I will speak today, Lord. Um, we know that, that you are able to change hearts to change lives, and you change it, Lord, through the eternal word of God. And, and so as I speak the things that you've given me, I pray, Lord God, that they will be clear and very understandable, Lord God, and, and confident uh, that it will bring uh, glory to your name. And, and even the things that I haven't prepared, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just speak through me. And uh, more than anything, that it will be you that was glorified, Lord. I'm just a messenger of the greatest message known to man, so we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So we're, we're going to Acts 9, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to be reading from um, 
the, King, the New King James, and it says there in, uh, in Acts 9, verse 1, it says, then Saul, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether they're men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, and I want to just stop right there, and I want uh, those Bible scholars, every one of us in here should be growing into be Bible scholars, amen? We should really want to know what the Word says. Now, there's no word about a horse. So many have heard that Saul fell off a horse, and, and he was blinded, but there's no horse, okay? So he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. From this text, I want to bring out three points that I think are very important. From the life of Saul, that will help us with maybe individuals that are in your life that you think there is no way that these people are going to ever get saved. Amen? Because that's exactly what the Christians were saying as Saul was leading a, a charge to persecute them, to put them in jail, and even to kill the Christians. So three points. The first point that I want to talk about is point number one. There is no one that is unsavable. Yeah, I'm glad we got one amen. There, there's no one that's unsavable. You need to know that there is no one in your life that is bigger than Jesus Christ. But pastor, you don't know my cousin. You don't know my cousin, my, or my brother, or my ex-husband, or my ex-wife. In fact, my ex-wife, pastor, she's a witch. And she probably thinks you're the devil. You know, when someone makes a remark to me that, did the church walls fall down when this person came to church? My answer is always this, this person is not bigger than God. There's a lot of people that are sitting in these seats today that when people look at them, they say, how in the world did the church walls ever stand, stay standing? And one of them behind the pulpit is, gets that answer. But the reality is that there is no one that's bigger than God. The walls will stand. And the reason for that is because Jesus said that I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus is saying, I will build my church, not people. No one's ever going to conquer my church. It's going to stand. Even if the devil walks in the door of, the, of God's church or in the life of God's people, God isn't phased. God doesn't shake. 
God doesn't freak out. God doesn't say, what's going to happen? This guy is so bad. He's so bad. Can I tell you that the blood of Jesus is able to cover the sin of no matter who it is. The Lord is a creator and everyone else is a creation. Satan is created. The demonic forces, they're created. There is one who's over all that. And his name is Jesus. It should give us an assurance that no matter who we go around, no matter what people are saying around us, that God is bigger than them. You know, the Bible tells us that all this time, Saul was breathing down the necks of the master's disciples out for the kill. That's the way the Message Bible puts it. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 9. Let's read it again. All this time, remember the, the, the um, New King James said, still Saul was, was, was chasing and, 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 and coming after the disciples. The, the, the message says, all this time Saul was breathing down the necks of the master disciples and he was out for the kill. You see, there may be someone breathing down your neck with negativity and persecution. If you're a follower of Christ, can I tell you that that should be happening in your life? There should be someone in your life that is going to be negative about your faith. There is someone in your life that's going to be persecuting you because of your faith. There's someone that's going to be coming at you, but you need to know that God is bigger. And they're not beyond the saving power of Jesus. I even believe that those people that are the hardest, that are the worst, they are putty in the hands of God. He's working. He's allowing you to be a light. He's allowing you to be a voice. He's allowing you to stand because troubles will come. And when troubles come, you've got the firm foundation of God Almighty. Paul later, he wrote, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into, into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul, as he's writing to, to Timothy, he says, he, he, here's a trustworthy saying. Christ came to save sinners, Timothy. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter how they dress. It doesn't matter how they're inked. It doesn't matter how they're pierced. It doesn't matter what they're going through. Christ came to save people. And then he said, just think about it. He's penning this. He says, and I am the worst. I'm the worst. And I know that people want to argue that they're worst. I, I'm a worse sinner than Paul. You don't know. I, I, I did this. I did that. I did this. Paul's not going to argue with you. He's going to say to you, did you chase Christians around? How many of us have chased Christians around wanting to put them in prison? Any one of us? How many of us have, have, have stood there as they kill Christians and we applaud? Now, there are people in the world 
that this is definitely happening but to but i don't think that there's many of us in here that have stood and said go ahead and stone them go ahead and kill them we're we're behind you do it so paul is saying you know as he's as he's writing the holy spirit is is ministering in him and through him and he's saying you know what i i, I am the worst of the worst i have done these things I've tried to destroy the church. And so then he keeps on writing and he says, but for this very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Let me tell you something, beloved. Let me tell you. A year or two years or five years or ten years of facing someone that is persecuting you, persecuting you, persecuting you, telling you off, saying you're this, you're weak, you're a Christian, you're this and you're that, ten years is nothing compared to eternity. And God says, be patient. Be patient. Let him move in you. Let him move through you. Let, allow for the Holy Spirit to work and, and, and bear the fruit of God, which is love and joy and patience and peace and faithfulness and self-control and all of these things that we can't manufacture in our own strength, in our own ability. We cannot manufacture these things, but God working in us and through us will allow people to see the reality that God is real. And so the devil works, and he'll say, he'll use people. He'll say, you're nothing but this and that. I like the old person better. The old person was so much funner, this and that. They'll say all kinds of things, but they're watching. They're looking. And as the days go by, as the months go by, as the years go by, they see the stability of God working in you, and they see that God is real. You see, beloved, God doesn't give up on those who seem impossible to save. Someone needs to know this right now. You need to know that your mom and your dad and your uncle and your aunt and your wife and your ex-husband or your wife right now and your husband right now, they might not be walking with God. You need to know that God is patient. He's, he's, he's waiting. He wants to move in their life. Don't get in a hurry. Let God work. God doesn't give up on your cousin. He doesn't give up on your brother. He doesn't give up on your ex-wife or your ex-husband. God doesn't give up. People give up. Amen? We, I mean, three weeks. Oh, my goodness. This is an eternity. Get me out of this job. Get me out of this place. And I tell you, you don't want to close a door that God has opened. You don't want to do that because you may be the person that leads them to Jesus. Pastor, how do I apply this? What, what, what do I do? The first thing I would say is don't give up on those who seem impossible. 
Don't give up on those who seem impossible. How, how many of you in here are, are glad that God didn't give up on Saul? I am. Because the majority of the New Testament was written by Saul, who later became Paul. In fact, um, the Chronological Life Application Study Bible puts it like this. No person apart from Jesus himself shaped the history of Christianity like the Apostle Paul. Even before he was a believer, his actions were significant. His frenzied persecution of Christians following Stephen's death got the church started in obeying Christ's final command to take the gospel worldwide. Even before he became a Christian, he was moving the church. Can I tell you something? Those in your life that are not Christians, they're stirring and moving you to become more like Christ. Because what you want to do, what you want to do with haters is you want to hate. Amen? What we want to do when people hate us, we, we, our, our natural uh, response is to say, I don't like them. In fact, I, I think I might even hate them. I love them with the love of God, but I hate them with myself. That's a contradiction, right? I, lo I love you, but I don't. Or I love you, but God, I mean, I, I hate you, but God loves you. Right? But the reality here is that those people in our lives that are the most difficult are the ones that God wants to reach in a very bad way. Amen? He wants to reach them. The second thing that you can do is, and this should be done constantly, this should always be done, always be done, always. You guys should constantly be doing this. You should pray for opportune times to invite them to a Sunday morning worship experience or to a small group. I still do this to this day. I still invite people. I, but before I was a pastor, before I was in ministry, I was constantly inviting people to church because where God's people are, God is. I mean, you can, you can go and you can shoot, you can hunt with people, you can, you can go out and, and, and uh, play tennis, you can go and golf with people, and that's all fine, that's wonderful. You're, you're establishing relationships, and God loves that. But you need to invite people to where God's people meet. There was a study done in, 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 uh, uh, in early 2000, and they got 300 unchurched people they surveyed them, and they found out that 96% of the unchurched are at least somewhat, somewhat likely to attend church if they're invited. 96%. Can I tell you something? There's someone in your circle of influence that God wants you to invite to the assembly of his people. Amen? Amen. It's really easy to invite them to other places. Now think about it. I have people in my life right now that, that they are not churched. And, and, and they're coming around me. It's, it, it always happens that way. God it will always have someone that, that is unchurched. And you've got to, first of all, meet them where they're at. Don't be crazy. 
One of the things that someone told me recently is you, you never push. You never push in their mind. Then you never push religion on me. And I, my response is, if God is, if God is real and, and he's so big, I don't have to push. He's real. So they want to be around. They want to hang out. But you have to invite them to a Sunday morning worship experience where the presence of God is mighty. Because every person that's here, I am so happy that you're here, but can I tell you, there's one person that's here that I'm really happy, and it's Jesus. And he's here through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he's here, and he's, and he's welcoming us, and he's, he's accepting our worship. He's pleased at what's going on. We never know if, if that person who is hating is actually, he's, if they're waiting to be invited to come experience Jesus. And you will never know until you ask. Let me, don't raise up your hands, but let me just ask you a question. When is the last time you asked someone to come to church with you? When, when is the last time, let me, let me put it this way. When is the last time that you asked someone that's hating on you to come to church with you? That'll freak them out, huh? Hey, by the way, homie, you want to go to church? Right? Huh? What are you talking about? But they'll, they'll, their minds will start stirring. The Holy Spirit will start working. Point number two, usually the ones that hated the most will love the most. Usually those that were haters, that were against the people of God, when they come to Christ, you better watch out. I was talking to an individual just this week, and he said about one of my relatives, my uncle, my dad's brother, he said, he said about him, man, he's different now. He's different. And the reason he's different is because he gave his life to Christ. And so we're talking, and he said, but he's, he's all excited about God, and, and all he wants to do is talk about him. At one time, this individual was very anti. He was very religious, but he was very anti born-again Christianity because he didn't understand it. He, know, he didn't know. But once he got saved, now he is, as some people would say, excited. He's on fire for the things of God. Why? Because Jesus has become very real to him. The Chronological Life Application Study Bible helps us again. It says in Acts, about Acts 9, 3-5, it says, Paul refers to this experience as the start of his new life in Christ. At the center of this wonderful experience was Jesus Christ. Paul did not see a vision. He saw the risen Christ himself. Paul acknowledged Jesus as Lord. He confessed his own sin. He surrendered his life to Christ. He resolved to obey him. True conversion comes from a personal encounter with Jesus Christ and leads to a new life in relationship with him. When Paul came face to faith with a risen Jesus, his life would never be the same. Even after all he had done, God had an amazing plan for his life. Amen? From, from being a hater to becoming a hero. 
There are people in your life, beloved, they, they might be hating, but I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that those people are going to be heroes of faith when they come to Jesus. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, I am the least of the apostles. Who, who am, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me, which was with me, which was directing me. Paul said, I was the, I was the worst, I was a hater. I don't, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. He said, but through the grace of God, and let me tell you, it is the grace of Jesus that allows us to stand in the presence of the Almighty. It is through His grace, He said, through that working. Now, I have labored more than any one of them all. I have written more, more, more letters. I have written more, more epistles. I have done more work because the grace of Christ is leading me and guiding me. There are people in here that are writing books. There's people in here that are doing the work of God. There's people that are working with students. There's people that are working in the cafe. There's people that are working all over the place. Why? Because the grace of Christ is leading you. It, it, it prompts us. The Holy Spirit, He prompts us. God's grace reached down to one who in human thinking should never have been reached to. The, the disciples didn't even want to come around Paul. They were, they were scared of him. They were afraid of him. Have you been around someone that you're that you're scared of, that you're, I mean, they're just, they're just rough. They're tough. And you think, man, they're never going to come to faith. That's how Paul was. They were afraid of him. It teaches us how we view people around us who give us a hard time. Those people who are so hard become mighty people in God's hands. Amen? I'm going to say this, beloved. There's someone in here. There's someone in here. God is just beginning to shape you to become a hero for Christ. A hero for Christ. To be bold, to stand. And, and, and it's some of you young people. It's some of you middle aged It's some of you elderly. God is, God is molding you. He's shaping you to become a hero of the faith. You don't have to be, I'm going to say this, afraid. For God is with you. And there's a passion, there's a love that comes from God so that we can love Him with a true love and be changed forever. Paul said, His grace toward me was not wasted because I have done, I have done more than anybody else. You know, Jesus told the multitude who were, who were murmuring, you know murmuring is when people are... They were murmuring about this woman. She had a lot of sins. She, had, she was a, uh, you know, prostitute and done many things that everyone looked down on. And then she came and she ministered to Jesus and, and, and they got mad about that. And he says, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. 
because she loved much. She loved much. And then he goes on, but he, and I'm going to put he, he or she who is forgiven little, they love little. When you're forgiven a bunch, you're like, thank you, Lord. I don't deserve this. When you think that you're pretty good, but you know, you just need a little bit of forgiveness, you say, you know what, Lord, I got this. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as, you know, not as bad as Jack Cook, that's for sure. I'm not as bad as Bailey. The reality here is that, that, that when, you, when you've been forgiven, when you understand the magnitude of the cross and what the blood of Jesus did, then you appreciate how much you owe him. And that woman loved very much. And, and let me say this to you, beloved. If you receive the love of Christ, you'll never be the same again. Amen? You don't have to walk in condemnation. You don't have to walk in, 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 uh, in any kind of guilt. You can walk in the freedom that comes through Jesus. The, um, again, I'm going to go to the Chronological Life Application Resource because I just think they, they say some really good things. It says, God did not waste any part of Paul. His background, his training, his citizenship, his mind... And even his weaknesses, are you willing to let God do the same for you? You will never know all he can do with you until you allow him to have all that you are. Amen? You will never know all that you can be in Christ until you give him everything. Everything. He will never shortchange you. He will fill you with what you need. I, I sat with someone just this week, and, and they said, you're pretty content, huh? And I, and I was like, yeah. They said, uh, you don't have a lot of money, huh? No. I said, but look, what else does a man need? God provides everything that we need. And more than anything, God provides us with peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen? Um, Max Licato put it like this. He said, God the master weaver, he stretches the yarn and he intertwines the colors, the ragged twine and the velvet strings, the pains with the pleasures. Nothing escapes his reach. Every king, every despot, weather pattern and molecule, are at his command. He passes the shuttle back and forth across the generations, and as he does, a design emerges. Satan weaves, and God unweaves. Satan comes to try and design a plan to destroy you, and God takes it apart and says, let me put my thread in there. And it's blood. I mean, it's red from the blood of Jesus. Amen? So, Pastor, how do I, how do I apply this, this point? I would say this. Don't allow the hate and indifference of people around you to stifle your trust in the God who is able to save them. When they hate, when they get angry at you, 
Don't let that stifle the trust in the God who is able to save them. Zephaniah 3.17 says, For the God, I mean, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. Another translation says he is mighty to save. He will take delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Amen? Last point. Point number three. Transformation stems from an encounter with the real Jesus. Life change, transformation will always derive from an encounter with the real Jesus. Why did Peter's life radically change? Because he met Jesus. Why did every disciple that followed Christ, why were they changed radically? Because they met the real Jesus. Yeshua, the Savior. Paul's question is instrumental for all of us. As Paul is going and he, and he hears this voice, his question is, Who are you, Lord? That question is so instrumental for every person because we all have to come to the place in our lives that we ask the question, God, are you real? Who are you, Lord? Every person that's ever walking with Jesus, every person that's walking with God, every person that's walking through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you have to come to that place that you ask that question, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus said to him, He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. The goads is a way of response it, is, um, uh, it means to, to respond in a way that is negative with pressure. You're kicking against me with pressure and negativity. But he said to him, you have met your Savior today. And until you meet the real Jesus, you will never have the real solution to your life. You will never know the real God. Every person has to ask that. You know, back in the, in the late 60s and 70s, early 70s, there was a move of God called the Jesus Movement. People came out of uh, uh, the free love era. Back in the 70s, you know what I mean? <laughs> love is good. But what they found in that, in that time, and it doesn't change, it's through generations, but it's labeled different things, it was free love. And so these, these people became what the, we, we know now as hippies, you know, they were hippie, you know, hippie dogs. Give me some acid, bro. I'm seeing three of you, homie. I guess you're the one in the middle. And so what they were finding, and it's true. So they were, they were, they were, they were out there, and, and what happened is God, God, will, God will always be real in every generation. Doesn't matter when people stray, God is always reaching to bring them back. And so these individuals, they began to find out that, first of all, love isn't free. They were having free sex. And there was no commitment. And they found out that true love has a commitment. Right? 
True love comes with an expense. It comes with you giving your life to someone and you sacrificing. That's what true love is. And, and so they began to be, find out that they're empty without the true God and they started coming to Jesus and they gave up their, their bags of uh, marijuana and, and their, their hits of acid. They traded that in for the high of the Holy Spirit. And they began to shape, not only that, they began to shape the church. It's the first time that we find contemporary Christian music hit the scene. So when you hear Caleb or you hear Air One, you can thank the Jesus movement for that move. People like um, uh, Phil Kagey and uh, who's the other dude that was incredible? Um, I, I can see his face right now. He died in a plane, plane accident. Keith Green, yeah, that homeboy was awesome. And so they, 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 they gave everything up and they came into the churches and they came into the churches with their dreads, with their hair long and the, and the you know, the church was like, they weren't ready for that because, you know, they, back in that day, they had their suits on. They, I mean, they're like, you're coming in in sandals or barefoot, and they're, hey, man, we want what you have. And they started coming to faith. And, and uh, there was a guy by the name of Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, and he started bringing them in, and they had massive baptisms in, at the Pacific Ocean, massive they were baptizing them. Boom, thousands of them. And they began to change the culture. They began to move mightily. And, and Chuck Smith, he wrote, he wrote this. He says, God often goes to the gutter to find the recipient for his grace. He lifts him out. He washes him. He transforms him, making him into a child of God that is fit for his kingdom. That is God's grace. Can I tell you something, beloved? That's what we're called to do. Well, I can say this from my standpoint. That's what people did with me. They welcomed me in. They, they loved on me, and, and Jesus took over. When you come into a relationship with the real Jesus, your life will never be the same. And those people that are, that are hating on you let me tell you that if you just keep praying for them, if you're patient and you say, Lord, move through your spirit in their life, we come, we intercede for them, we break down the barriers of the devil, Lord, in your name, and we pray that your light will shine on them just like it's shown on the Apostle Paul and let their lives be transformed for your glory. Because let me tell you what happened to Paul. Three things Every facet of his, of his being was, was impacted. His physical being was impacted because he was blinded. And God showed him that religion blinds you and that grace will lift the scales off your eyes. Emotionally, he was bitter. He was angry. He was chasing the church. He was, now let me tell you, there's someone in your life and they're, they're angry, they're bitter, and can, when they come into an encounter with the real Jesus, he will turn that bitterness into the sweet joy of God. And the last thing is that spiritually, as zealous as Paul was about the law, he found out that he was spiritually dead until he came to Jesus Christ. There may be someone around you that's hating on you 
because they have a religious background and they're so stuck in their religion that they can't see the grace of Jesus. God wants to set them free, and he can, and he can. Pastor, how do I apply this? How do I apply this? I would say God created every person with an ability to choose. So as you have made a choice to follow Jesus, you lead people to make the choice to follow Jesus. Hear me. Hear me now. There's someone in your life that you need to give them the opportunity to have a choice to follow Jesus. Not Living Word Chapel, not Oracle, uh, whatever church, not Samuel, not Catholic, to follow the real Jesus. Joshua 24, 15, it says, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, that, that, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for, I'll individualize this, Lord. Thank you for showing me that you are able to transform a hater of Christians into a hero of the faith. The Apostle Paul is a perfect example of your restoring power. Forgive me for doubting your ability to transform lives for the glory of Jesus. Holy Spirit, enable me to trust that you are constantly working in the people that you've placed in my circle of influence. Even when they might be negative toward me or indifferent to you, God, I choose to believe that you are mighty to save. I pray this in the name that is above all names, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So as we close the service, as always, we're, we're going to be receiving the connection card at this time and also the offering at this time. And we will, um, if you've maybe made a, a next step, put that on your connection card. If there's someone that you want us to pray with you about, put that on the connection card and, and let us just uh, go forward with, with Christ at the center. And if you're new with us today, thank you for being here. And uh, take your card to the, to the back to the cafe, and you can get you a free drink as well. So let's all stand up and worship our King. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.